Hey, everyone. Welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas that you can today take your leadership to the next level. I'm your host, Ken Engel, president of Southeastern University. And I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, vice president for innovation. And we're excited to introduce our guest for today's show, Dr. John Jackson. Uh, John serves as the president of Jessup University in Rockland, California. John has also served in pastoral ministry in the nonprofit sector. He's authored several books on leadership and transformation. John also has a brand new book out now called Grace Ambassador, Bringing heaven to earth. It's great to have you with us today, John. Hey, thank you, Dr. Kent and Mike. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. And I got to tell you this, I am so excited about the people that you're serving at Southeastern University and with Focus Leadership. Uh, just great to be in the conversation and relationship with you guys. Well, thank you. It's it's a privilege for all of us to be in higher uh, faith-based higher ed and just uh, serve these amazing students that God is raising up, that's for sure. I want to start our conversation out by talking about your, your, your latest book uh, uh, and your heart behind uh, Grace Ambassador and what you're uh, hoping readers are going to take away from this. Well, Kent, thank you for the question and uh, opportunity to talk about Grace Ambassador. You know, uh, sometimes things get, get birthed in your heart right away, and sometimes they take a long time. So the gestation period for this for me is about 20 years. I've been just mulling over this. First Reformation was about grace received. Salvation is by grace through right, faith. It's, right. it's the gift mm -hmm. of God, not of works. But for me, I just feel like the last 20 years, God's been birthing in my heart the need for a second Reformation. Way back then in 1500s, mm -hmm. if you remember your history, we, we said we believed in the priesthood of all believers. Right. Ken, I think we spent 500 years showing we don't really. Mm -hmm. The truth is we look at pastors, evangelists, amazing worship leaders and go, oh, those people are awesome. But the reality is everyday folks and everyday faith seems like it doesn't have a place in our world, at least in the church and in uh, America and beyond. So Grace Ambassador is all about this. God poured out his love on us so that you in your everyday world could carry about the life, the love, and actually you could lead with the heart of Jesus yes. in the everyday. So I'm really yeah. focused on being an ambassador of heaven every day. Love That's it. Love it. Talk to us a little bit of what that means practically. You know, if, we're, if you're in trades, if you're in business, you're in a different sector, what does it mean to be a grace ambassador in those sectors? Well, first of all, I think it's a mindset shift. Uh, we tend, to be honest, to divide life between sacred and secular. Mm -hmm. I go to church, right. I go to a Bible study, maybe I do a serving project, boom, that's sacred. And then secular life is everything else. You know, I got my job in the trades, I'm in the warehouse, uh, I got my family stuff, I go recreation, that's secular. First of all, get rid of that sacred-secular divide. 100% of life, if you're a follower of Jesus, 100%, man, is in his hands. Number right. two. Think about people not as projects. Think about people not as targets. Just people that you can say, God, how do you help me love somebody in your name today? Right. How can I serve them? Show compassion, show mercy. Um, you know this from your your studies. Look at Micah, you know. Yes. Live, mm. do justice, live right. with kind, right. show compassion. Those are the things that on the everyday, man, you get to be Jesus with skin on. And I think we need a Jesus revolution. Yeah. It happened back in the 70s. I'd love to see it happen again. Be Jesus every day with skin on, show people love, kindness, mercy, compassion, and just trust God and the Holy Spirit to tell you what to say or what to do. I'm yeah. curious about that sacred, uh, this the, the mundane and sacred divide, the ordinary uh, divide. It's, you know, we live in this time where it feels like people want that more and more, right? It almost is, when you look at our history, it's like we've, we have really done a great job of compartmentalizing it at kind of a high efficiency. Why is that divide there? What are kind of the driving factors that are pushing people to have that divide? And what does it mean to push back against them? And I got to tell you, my response on this has to do with the fact that I actually do compartmentalization pretty well. Right. I think the speed of life has so accelerated 
both events and information that we're in the place in our life where we go, I got to compartmentalize. Okay, now I'm in my, in my sacred space. Now mm-hmm. I'm in my secular space. Now I'm in my family space. Now I'm in my recreation space. Yeah. We're actually more time focused right. than I think ever before because time is our most precious commodity yeah. experientially. Right. So I think that's part of what's going on is that we've gotten more uh, micromanaged, more mm-hmm. nanosecond focused mm-hmm. than ever before. I mean, sir, um, yep. this is a tragedy, but Syria and Turkey, it right. happens. Yes. There's this horrifying earthquake and boom, instantaneously, our phones are blowing up. The mm-hmm. visual images are coming. Yeah. And that's, you know, for a lot of us in North America, that's around the globe. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think what we've got to do in some ways is say, I actually reject compartmentalizing. I got to be in the moment. And yes, there are seasons of rest. Mm-hmm. There are seasons where, man, I'm just unplugged. I'm not even looking at email and text. Totally. Absolutely. On the other hand, all of life is sacred. Yeah, mm. yeah that's so good. I, I want to, what does it really mean to slow down? Oh, you might be asking the wrong person, man. I kind of I I live a Mach 9 uh, life. Let me, let me tell you, slow down. I'm sort of preaching to myself, by the way. So right. if any of your listeners are going, man, that dude's passionate. It's because I'm passionate. I know my story. Sure, absolutely. To me, to me, Kent, slowing down is just being in the present. It's yeah. saying, I'm going to breathe in. I'm going to breathe out. I, we do that all the time mm-hmm. automatically. But do we really? Do we really breathe right. in God's presence? Do we really breathe out his love, his word, his will, his his, his grace on people around us? That, that's really part of Grace Ambassador, by the way. Mm. Just be a just be a flow of God's grace in your every day. And so to me, to slow down is to be present in the moment, to mm. say, God, anything you want to say to me? Like you you could be running, man. You could you could be rocking and rolling on yeah, emails right. or in a meeting right. and and still be slow down. Yeah. Right. I'm not, yeah, I'm not good. convinced slow down means sitting in a chair or laying in a, on a couch and right. going, okay, I'm slowed down. I know a lot of people who are laying down on couches and their mind is racing. Their mm. spirit is agitated. You know, that's not slowing down. Slowing down <laughs> is rest yes. in him. That's yeah. Good. I yeah, that. yeah. I love the image of that. It's almost like we have like grace time, right? Like yes. bringing grace into time. And the whole the message of grace, right, is that you're not perfect. You actually can't do everything. And when you think about it in terms of productivity, what that means is you can't be 100% productive 100% of the time. That's why you need grace and to put yeah. that in there. Oh, so I so love it. I don't I want to be sexist yeah. here, but let me just say this. <laughs> yeah. We all say we could multitask. I'm just guaranteeing you no man right. on the planet can multitask. Right. Men are just, it's, it, they've done brain studies. This is the way men work. Men mm-hmm. do like one thing at a time. And maybe we, we ra- rapid switch. Women seem to do a little bit better at multitasking, mm-hmm. but you know what? That grace time you just said, that's a powerful phrase. I might steal that from you. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's great. Now, you know, you're, you are so passionate and that's what I love about you and, and your passion is contagious and uh, it just, it leaps on people anytime they, they have a chance to be around. Cause I know that's, that's with me and I love uh, every opportunity we have to talk and just to glean from, from your experience. And, and I want to ask you about your life mission because it's, it's really to motivate personal and organizational and community transformation for, for God's glory. And, and you have a strong background in executive and organizational leadership. How has your leadership experience uh, and ministerial background prepared you for your role now as president? 
Well, thank you, man. Thank you for your kindness, but also just say to you, uh, I, I don't know if any of your listeners are thinking life is a straight line, but if it is, I want to meet you at the end of the day because most <laughs> yes. people don't live a straight line exactly. life. life. Life has zigs and zags. And so, Kent, I never planned to be a college president. True story. People think, oh, yeah, you were aiming for this. No, not a chance. Mm-hmm. I was a pastor. I was a missional uh, leader. I, I didn't want to be anything but that. But long story short, um, sometimes I, I don't have a personal experience in recovery, but I have a great heart for recovery. Mm. So every once in a while, I'll say this. Hi, my name is John and I'm addicted to transformation. Ah, I, I really am. I like when I see the power of God change a human heart, a home, a family. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. So here's how it prepared me. Um, I've just learned, Kent, to not, I know this will sound, in, to not revel as much in my success as I revel in the success that I have in helping others Mm. fulfill their life mission. If I can help a person, an organization, a movement, be all that God planned it to be and be transformed, man, I'm in the zone for me personally. And that's kind of, that by the way, prepared me for being a college president because you know this, You don't control the faculty. You don't control what happens in the classroom. You don't control the the athletic teams, the staff. I mean, I just had an athletic incident that happened this weekend that our AD told us about, and he wasn't even there, and it happened. And you just can't control all that right. stuff. What yeah, you do absolutely. is you pour in, you pour into your people. You love on them. You you do everything you can to equip them, and and then at the end of the day, they soar. They yeah, they experience right. greatness. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I love that thing the phrase you just said right at the beginning. Life is not a zigzag. I feel like with this generation, and you may know this working at a college campus, so many students want that straight line path, right? They're saying, they're saying that I want the, I want, I want to know exactly how, what steps I need to take, exactly the timeline to go from right now to college graduate to being a millionaire with my parent, with my wife, t- kids, and two dogs, exactly the life I want. And I want to be able to travel along the way. What do you, how do we speak to this generation that has that mindset that's been sold that that's the reality they need to have in order to be happy? So when I was, that's a great, that's a great insight on this generation and maybe all of us, but this Mm -hmm. generation in particular has had a lot of uncertainties and so they want certainty. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was first becoming a college president, one of my uh, other more experienced ones said, you got to interview every full-time employee. So to this day, 13 years later, every full-time employee at Jessup gets at least 30 minutes with me. Mm -hmm. In that conversation, I always repeat one phrase, came from Chuck Smith, Calvary Chapel, the Jesus Revolution experience. He said this, Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. Uh, and what I yeah. what I talk to people about is say, look, man, life does not come in neat little compartments. It's not a straight line. So to to that student or leader who says, man, by age 20, I'm this, 25, this, 30, 35, I'm a millionaire and got it all dialed. Like maybe. Like that's mm-hmm. not a bad d- direction. Um, I'm not a pilot, but I understand in in, uh, flight systems and GPS systems that there's vectors and vectors give you a room, as it were, to drift a little bit. Mm. But your ultimate trajectory is clear. But man, give yourself some ability to drift. You might not have one job the rest of your life. You might have five and they might even take you in a little bit different industries. Mm. But you keep maximizing your gifts. You keep responding to your call. God will work that out. I don't think... um, Kent, I don't think President Ingle intended to be a college president. Uh, it happened. We both kind of came in at the same time. Yay, yeah, God, let's yep. go. We'll be we'll be faithful with what he puts in front of us. But I don't know that you can have this like, you know, straight line through the course of your life, especially in this day and age. So blessed are the flexible, 
for they shall not be broken. Yeah, no, that's so good. And, and yeah, I mean, same story. Uh, we have similar stories, yeah. you know, in ministry leadership and, and so forth. But, uh, but I had a, a mentor early on that talked about, you know, if you follow your design, you'll always be in the right position, role, the place that God has for you. And, and, and oftentimes that's going to take different, different uh, turns than you, you expected, but God knows God's plan is always uh, a good and pleasing and perfect when, when you follow that design. So, so rich wisdom. And, and, and I, I want to, let's talk about ministry students for a second. We have so many that are feeling a call into full-time ministry leadership. What would be your advice to give to those who are are stepping out on that kind of faith journey that maybe they don't have full direction or clarity on that career path, but ways that they can be solidly prepared to step in a role of ministry leadership? Wow. Um, I won't ask for forgiveness, but I'll give you explanation. I grew up Baptist. Uh, I'm not necessarily that anymore, but I love my Baptist heritage. So I tend to speak in threes. Okay. So, so forgive me for that. <laughs> love for, it. For, forgive me for that, or at least understand that. Um, the first thing, Ken, is what you said. Um, number one, lock into your design. And by mm-hmm. the way, you can't know your design unless you're in intimate relationship with a designer. Right. So yep. number one, just be clear who you are, who you are, who God's called you to be. Number two, once you are clear about God and who he's made you up to be. Number two, um, do formal study. Mm-hmm. Now I know some people are going to freak out and go like, Oh, you're a college president. You're sort of into the book thing. No, actually not. I, I appreciate the books. I appreciate the professors. I'm just saying this dig deep wells, mm-hmm. get in the word of God, yep. do a disciplined study, develop your craft. Your craft, by the way, is speaking, it's relationships, it's organization, it's mentoring, all that. So develop your craft and, and dig a deep well, do some formal discipline study. Then the third thing, and this is where some of my higher ed people get upset with me. If, if you're in your head, if you're taking 20 units at SCU, which is an amazing, amazing school, and will prepare you for God-honoring ministry, and that's all you do, I think you're in trouble. Right, mm. right. Because you need to identify a mentor in ministry. Yeah. Your professors are awesome, and I love your professors, but you got to be in a local church. Right. You got to be in, yeah. a, in a mission agency. You got to be somewhere where somebody who's on the road ahead of you, mm-hmm. five years, 10 years, 20 years, and they're pouring into you as a mentor. So your design, the deep study, and then have a mentor and by the way, I love it when those things happen. My, my professor friends get upset, but 85% of all Jessup students on the day they graduate have a full-time job or full-time admission to graduate study. And that's because along the way, we say, don't just live here on campus, yeah. get involved in the local church, right. get into it right now when you're a college sophomore, junior, senior, yep. so that when you're ready to graduate, man, you're rocking and rolling, you're flying. Yeah, love absolutely. it, love it. And that's it hits on such an important thing is that idea of community, getting plugged into a specific context. And really with with this generation, when you stack the pandemic, right, two years of your development was spent inside. And then you stack on top of that, the rise of technology, social media, all these digital interfaces, there's a, it feels like we're losing that skill of, of being able to talk to each other, to actually like connect. How do we speak to that just generation? How can we help them understand the power of this and get over that hump? Well, I, I think it's, it's, uh, I think, first of all, that's a, another keen insight. You guys have done this before, right? You're asking yeah. great <laughs> questions. Um, so uh, first of all, I just think this generation, uh, modern culture, but this mm-hmm. generation in particular, very experientially oriented. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So that community relational connection is that safe place. Hey, no politics about COVID, but one of the things that COVID did was it isolated people. Mm-hmm. And what we discovered is isolation's a bad thing oh, for the yeah. human experience. Yep. We need each other. We need to be in relationship, not a hundred people, but you got to have your your team, man. Who's your, who's your three? Who's mm-hmm. your five? Who's your 10? What's that look like? And then second of all, the way life gets experienced and truth gets learned is not just in your head, it's integrated, head, heart, hands. Right. So I just want to encourage this generation, um, try out things, test things. Uh, probably Kent and I would both say this, when we see a college freshman who says, this is the only thing I'm ever going to do, kind of makes you a little bit nervous once right. in a while, because <laughs> I'm not sure if you understand completely right. who you are at age 18, yes. 19. So that's one of the reasons why the general ed curriculum is set up. You might take an art class and shock yourself and find out you love art. Mm -hmm. That's part of discovering your design. So be in relationship in a community, people who love you, care for you, can speak in your life. And then um, experience is actually how we often learn things. Yeah, that's so good. John, you have a a strong passion for creative leadership. And and I love this word, pastorpreneurship. You know, why (laughs) why do you um, believe creativity and risk-taking are important for leaders to incorporate uh, in their leadership role? Yeah. So uh, back in 2003, about 19 years, 20 years ago, I, I wrote a book called Pastorpreneur. And here was my frustration. Sometimes I write out of frustration, but hopefully it's a godly frustration. My frustration was I saw pastorpreneur, I saw pastors being very uh, rigid and in the box. Right. And then I was really frustrated at the marketplace that these amazing people would come sit on Sunday morning and just kind of listen and give some money and maybe serve in the children's ministry as an usher. And that's it. And they were amazing entrepreneurs, amazing marketplace people. So I just have this agitation. I think it's a holy agitation. I want pastors to be creative dreamers, risk takers, innovators to say, what does it mean to fulfill the Great Commission? Yeah, Man, I'm in my town. My town has 10,000 people or it has a million people. How can my church reach people for the glory of God, help them grow up in their faith and reproduce healthy disciples? On the other hand, Man, it bums me out when marketplace people just kind of go to church and they do what I call, they sit, they soak, and they often sour. Yes. I want marketplace entrepreneurial people to go, whoa, I'm doing great stuff in my startup. I'm doing great stuff at my corporate setting. Mm. Now I got to get in there and I'm going to see if my church, and by the way, it won't necessarily always be accepted well, but in my church, I want to see if we can be creative. How can we do outreach? How can we do training and discipleship with the same creative methodologies that we use in work? By the way, think about how quickly people move to Zoom. They move to Teams. They move to other kinds of things. Now we can actually do some training at church that doesn't mean seven o'clock in a building. Somebody made the coffee and we're all together. That's awesome, by the way, if we do that. Mm -hmm. But couldn't we use the marvels of modern technology to actually equip and train people better than we ever have before in the local church? Corporate America is doing it. Why wouldn't we think about that in the church? Right, right, right. And that's why I love the connection between this idea of of pastors being more creative, unlocking the potential of the people that are already in their congregation, and this grace ambassador, right? Teaching the yeah. people in the church that, hey, you can be part of this mission wherever we go. It's almost like we're making what you're what we're pushing for and what we need to push for is this idea of a team approach to building the kingdom of God, right? It's not one or the other. We're together on everything. Talk to us a little bit about that mindset. Yeah. And Michael, I love the way that you are saying it. Um, Mm -hmm. This whole idea of team, what that means is, is this, like not everybody, 
we just finished the mm. Super Bowl a couple months ago. Like, not everybody's the quarterback, right? right. But yeah. whoever watched a football game and thought the quarterback was the only dude on the on the field? I right. mean, it's a defensive tackle oftentimes mm. that turns the trajectory of the game. Yep. It's a well, we saw this. It's a special teams player right. who ends up like being the game winner. It's it's a kicker. So like, yes, quarterback's super important. That's awesome. But oh, by the way, we got coaches and assistant coaches who literally have shaped the destiny. So Ephesians 4, sorry, I'm really passionate Here, on this one. Yes. Ephesians 4, the fivefold ministry, yes. equip people for the work of ministry. Why? So that the body can be built up and grow to maturity. Mm-hmm. How? Through the proper working of each individual part. What that tells me, Michael, is if if somebody in the body of Christ is not fulfilling their divine design, yeah. it's actually affecting the whole body. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, right. Well, you know, go back to a sports analogy, then I'll be quiet. I'm a tackle, and I decide I don't want to. I don't want to play. I'm, I'm an offensive tackle. I'm mm-hmm. on the line. I don't want to. This. I'm kind of tired, and so boom, the the ball gets snapped, and I just kind of sit down. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Quarterback, running back, receivers. They can't fulfill their destiny because the tackle decided he wasn't going to block on that mm-hmm. play. Well, come on. So that's the way the body of Christ is. Yeah. If I'm just sitting in the chair, I'm just kind of hanging out, looking at the amazing worship leader and listening to the amazing pastor and listening to the great missionary or bold, creative, dynamic person. And I'm just watching going, hey, that's cool. But I don't know my place. Yeah. I don't know who I am. The whole body is never going to fulfill what Jesus intended. Yeah, Love it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, we want to move into our fire round and just ask you a few quick questions uh, surrounding kind of everything we've discussed. I want you to answer with your gut on these quick questions, and uh, and we'll grab a few more practical and applicable pieces of advice from your experience for all of our listeners. So I think we'll just do three questions. So, Michael, mm-hmm. fire away the first one. Love it. Love it. So first question right off the bat, tell us a little bit about what is your advice in a situation to a parishioner, somebody that's sitting in their church, and they disagree with something their pastor is preaching in that moment in other way. How do we, how do we address that moving forward? First and second and third thing is pray Mm. and say, Holy spirit, am I um, in this place of agitation for a reason? And if you continue to get confirmation, yeah, I just disagree with that. Then set up a meeting, Matthew 18, just talk and say, Hey, I feel like we have this disagreement. I want to address it. Is it something that you and I can resolve? 95 plus percent of the time, you're going to be able to resolve it with a face-to-face conversation. Let me say one thing. Mm-hmm. Do not let the enemy have a root of bitterness grow up within mm, you right. because of something that you disagree with the pastor. You go talk to that pastor. You go yep. talk with the leader, and you deal with that because what the enemy wants is to destroy you. You're right. right. And a, the, you know, C.S. Lewis said this. If, he can't, if the enemy can't steal your soul for all eternity— He'll do everything he can to neutralize you in time. Mm. That's exactly what the enemy wants to do, to steal, kill, destroy. And often it's because we get unresolved, unsettled stuff. So if you disagree, you pray, you search it out, and then you go have a conversation. Yeah, that's that's good. What are the best best ways leaders can experience spiritual growth holistically within a community? And uh, I love the way you asked that, Kent, because sometimes we put leaders in a wholly other category. Right. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense, man. If you're leading the meeting, if you're leading worship, if you're speaking, if you're you're responsible for the organization, you kind of do have a different set of responsibilities for a season. Leaders who are not intentional about relationships and about practices don't last the long haul. Mm. If you're not in the word, if you're not in prayer, if you're not in relationship, 
If you're not having those moments where you're saying, Jesus, I just need to be open and honest. I had a conversation last night with a, with a guy who's a good friend and he was kind of hammering me. I mean, in a loving Jesus way, but he was, he was pounding on me. If you don't make space in your life for some relationships where people get access to your soul, yeah. if you're always the leader, man, you're, you're not going to make it over the long haul. And sadly, Kent, in our lifetimes, we're a little bit older than Michael in our <laughs> lifetimes, We've seen some crash and burns yes, and yes. often and often it's because people didn't have relationships yeah. and they didn't make space for practices. Yeah. That's oh, good. That's, that's so great. Good. Last question for close out our fire round. How does a young person know when they're living out their divine times? What are the signs? What are the what are the the feelings? How does they know that, hey, I'm in it, I'm in the right spot? I'm going to start with an old reference and then I'll, I'll make sense in just a moment. When, when the movie Chariots of Fire came out many, many, many years ago, Eric Liddell was asked this question, you know, why do you run? When I run, I feel his pleasure. Mm -hmm. yeah. So this is what I would say to you. How do you know your divine design is when it's hard and you love it. Mm -hmm. yeah. In other words, you're exhausted. Yeah. It's, it's been brutal. And you know what you were doing, what you were made to do. That that confirmation of, yep. man, I'm in the trenches. I'm serving. I'm showing mercy. Mm. I'm demonstrating compassion. I'm uh, administrating. A lot of people look at administration and say, ooh, gross. Somebody with a gift of administration loves mm. things to be in order. Mm. And even when it's hard and it gets in order, they love it. Yep. So you know you're in your divine design when when there's fruit when people are confirming it and when it's hard and you love it. Love it. Yeah, so good. Wow, powerful conversation. I want to thank you for joining us today on our Framework Leadership Podcast. You, as I've said, you are a contagious leader who, who has done remarkable uh, transformational leadership at, at Jessup and, and just a privilege to spend time with you and talk with you. And you are you are one of those people that, uh, you know, you, you stand firm in the faith, you are strong, you are courageous, and I just love how you do everything with love. Uh, and that is, that is so important. So thank you, John, for joining us. And if you want to stay up to date with John, you can follow him on Facebook at Dr. John Jackson. You want to grab his book. This is a must-read Grace Ambassador. You can grab that from Amazon. Is there any other place that we can point uh, Here's a kind to? of the e easy button. If you go to graceambassador.com, okay. graceambassador.com, okay. we got endorsements there. We got the first chapter and, and even an audio recording of how you can kind of uh, learn about. It. So graceambassador.com. Love it. Great. Well, thanks everybody for joining us on this episode of the Framework Leadership Podcast. Take care. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today on Framework Leadership. If you're watching on YouTube right now, now would be a great time to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button so you can get more leadership content right into your YouTube feed. You can also check us out on Instagram at Kent underscore Ingle at Dr. Michael Steiner or on Twitter and YouTube at Kent Ingle. And hey, if you love great email newsletters, and I know that I do, you want to check out the Framework Leadership Newsletter. Every single Friday drops in great tips to be a better leader, resources, thoughts right into your inbox. Check it out. You can sign up at kentingle.com. Make sure you hop on to there. Thank you so much for listening to Framework Leadership. Take care, everybody.